damn, you gotta love the wind in your hair, you know? Either way, this podcast contains adult language, mature situations, action, fan service, storm riders, skull satyrs, sleeping forests, air tracks, exploding frogs, and crows. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 93, Jet Set Air Tracks. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Monger Review. I'm your host, Zan. How are you doing today? For those of you who don't know, Spark and Society that provides information and reviews about manga. Our goal is to help listeners discover great manga and avoid substandard, crappy manga by telling you a bit about them. That way you can keep away from the shitty manga and find the quality stuff which is worth reading. You don't have to agree with anything I say, but it's worth a listen to and it's free, so that way you don't have to worry about it. Either way, you can check out our earlier episodes at http colon slash slash spirekin.podbean.com or on iTunes. You can send an email with your comments, concerns, flames, love notes, or even various pictures at spirekin at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at spirekin, which is S-P-R-A-K-N. Also, if you have an Xbox Live account, you can play against me at Zan Space Spirekin, X-A-N, Space Spirekin. Also, because of lack of phone calls, our voicemail went down, so you have a new voicemail number. And that voicemail is going to be 206-350-8462. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on air. Pretty cool and pretty nice. And, as you can guess by the better quality of me speaking and also the sound quality, you can guess I got a computer again. Yep, Mike was able to fix my computer Free. Well, it cost me a box of wafers, but again, neither here nor there. So the computer's done, it's running a lot faster, it's running a lot smoother, and to top it off, I've got some more audio equipment and better sound bites. So, can add a little more sound effects and some other things in here. As you can tell from the beginning, heard that rollerblading sound effect worked pretty well. Either way, I'm still without a car, because for those who don't know, my car kind of went about a month ago. I've been running on public transportation and rides from friends. Hopefully that'll be done soon. I mean, it really sucks having to get rides from friends to work here and back. But hopefully it'll be done really, really soon. So my friend who's doing it for free, please fix it soon. Please, I need a car. Again, either way. For those of you who remember, 
we have a contest coming up to create a logo for the Spark and Mong Review. Logo, banner, and a secondary smaller logo. All you gotta do is create it, send it to me, and I will give you props and have you as a co-host on the show. That contest ends April 23rd, and you send me an email of a JPEG or a GIF at sparkandgmail.com, and remember, it has to be CMYK, no RGB. Okay. Also, if you are in the New York area, May 1st, I will be attending the Sakura Matsui Festival again. If you can find me, you'll get a free t-shirt and or free manga, depending on if I've got all the stuff on me in my book bag. Last time, met a couple people that got t-shirts, but hey, I got a bunch more. I made a bunch. I should sell them online or add a donate button onto my website. What do you guys think? Should I put a donate button so I can get some money so I can afford some new equipment? I desperately need some new headphones. Send me an email with it. Either way, that's May 1st. I'll be there for 9 to probably 2, and then I'll be gallivanting around the city, maybe looking for a karaoke bar to get drunk at. We'll see what happens. So, what else is there going on? Nothing much. Haven't heard from Mesa in a while. Belle has a job, so she's still here. She still loves doing the show. She's actually going to be doing an upcoming episode eventually, but she's been really stressed out because her job is she works with the old people. So because of the fact that they're elderly and they need a lot of attention, she has to focus mainly on them. But, no worries. Deke says he's eventually going to come back to review another movie. Hopefully that's for our new podcast, which we might be doing, which is the Spyrokin Movie Review, a spinoff of this. I know I said that this is mainly a manga podcast, but, so that's why we're making a separate show altogether. Again, neither here nor there. So, let's get on with it, because you remember from the last episode of the Spyrokin Manga Review, I spun... The Wheel of Manga, and it dictated unto me that I'll be reviewing a pretty cool Del Rey title called Air Gears. Now, Air Gears was created by a very infamous man, a man who's so awesome, who's so messed up, that his name is Oh Great. That name may sound familiar. If you remember way back when, when we first started this podcast, I reviewed another title by Oh Great, and what am I speaking about? I'm talking about Tango Tenge which was edited severely. Now, thank God Delray is so much better than CPM because they didn't edit it as severely, and there's some pretty quality pictures and stuff in there, and the art design is really great. Now, originally published by Kodansha, and like I said, released over here by Delray, it's a shonen action comedy sports romance manga. There are 27 volumes currently, and it came out originally in 2003, and it's still coming out. So, it's pretty prolific series, and to top it off, it's pretty unique for what it is. The only thing is it is a little misleading at first, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't we? So let's start off with the basics of what air tracks are. Now, air gears, the entire manga surrounds itself around these devices called air tracks. Now, they're pretty much these high-end customizable motorized inline skates. Not like rollerblades, because rollerblades have four wheels, these only have two wheels, and these really strange guards. But there are these three major components that make an air tracks what it is. That's the wheel motor, this hydraulic cushion system, almost like a suspension system, and these power injection system. There's also a braking system, but that's if you get the nice shiny model. Now what these skates allow you to do is that if you're skating, with however much force you push against them, that's how fast they go. So if you're really strong and you push against the ground, you're going to go flying. And also if you could go really high in the air, like if you're in the city, you can skate off of the wall, skate off of the ceiling, skate off of 
Well, anywhere you can. You can land from like 30 feet and you'll be perfectly fine. The air tracks are so unique and different that they allow you to grind against anything possible so the entire city is your playground. I mean, you can grind against the ground, you can grind on cables, you can grind on the floor, you can grind on walls, on ceilings. Anything is possible with these devices as long as you have the balance for it and if you have enough strength to push against you. I mean, you don't have to be a fat guy to be super strong. I mean, you can be a very thin girl and just have enough pushing ability to just set you flying across the air. I mean, at one point, one rider actually just uses an empty air track to just grind against the wall to do something. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but the air tracks are pretty versatile and very strong and just very erratic and, well, spontaneous and they're pretty interesting to use. As an air track owner becomes more used to using the air tracks, they get better and stronger and they become more versatile in what they're able to do with them. And a lot of them create these techniques and styles in order to have turns and how to spin and so on and so forth. A lot of the riders, the air track users, use this spin technique to stop instead of just kind of slowing up. And like I said, it's pretty cool how they work. Now, they're generally really expensive, like maybe, I don't know, about a thousand bucks a pair, and you have to maintain them regularly, and they're all these really cool pieces you can interchange and do all this stuff for, but they're really very interesting plot coupons, to quote manga pulse, but either way. So, this series focuses on our main character, whose name is Itsuki Minami, or Iki. Now, Iki is a 13-year-old who looks like he's 17, which really bugged me for a lot of the time, because I'm reading this and I'm like, there's no way this kid's in junior high, because he looks like he's 18 years old, he's got earrings, and either way, and he is the man. He lives with these four sisters, Rika, Mikin, Ringo, and Shiraumi, or Umi. They're these four sisters who are very voluptuous and kind of hot, to be honest with you. They all look good, except for the youngest one, of course, because she's like 10 years old and she's carrying a doll that she constantly sews. But they're very attractive, and he is a lucky SOB to be living with these girls with no parents. They have these weird neighbors, but again, getting off topic. Interesting, we don't know what happened to their parents. And Iki lives with them, and they have a very interesting relationship because, well, the oldest of them is the mother. Rika really doesn't do anything, and then you have Mika who beats the shit out of him. She will beat him within an inch of his life for the stupidest things, like he's looking at her TV, she pile drives his head, he forgets to bring salt for their dinner, she proceeds to pummel him to death. She enjoys beating the shit out of him, and because of that, he's essentially their slave and he eats off their scraps, but they have a very interesting family unit with him and Mikan just kind of being very antagonistic towards each other, but she cares about him. Later on, she helps him out, but she proceeds to beat him up a lot. The middle sister, Ringo, is the closest in age to Iki, and she's madly in love with him, but she's denying it, saying, oh, we're just friends. Ringo is essentially his best friend, the person that he confides in, and also, I think he does love her too, but he just doesn't realize it, and he likes to grow up her a lot. But she's very loving to him, and she treats him very well. Like, when he pisses off Meekin and she says, You're not, he's not going to have any food. Ringo's like, can I give him a little bit of my food? And Meekin's like, no, you can't give him anything. He's been a bad boy, and you can't keep babying him. And she's the one that goes after him when he runs away from the family after doing some various things. And Ringo is the one that he explains his whole dream of that Iki wants to become, well, he wants to be able to fly like people he sees who are really good on the air tracks. So that's his dream, because there was this one girl he saw that was very 
beautiful and she looked like she had wings and she just was born to do that and how cool it would be to fly like that. But the youngest sister, Umi as her nickname is, we don't really know much about her. We just know that she has a doll and she's kind of mean to Ikui and she, well, looks kind of creepy, almost like a, one of those Ikigami girls that you see in some of the series. She's pretty just creepy. But apparently she's good at air tracks because she's, well, I don't want to spoil anything either way. So it's a bunch of kids who are living together and we don't know what happened to the parents, of course. And it's a pretty interesting living situation, especially with the fact that at one point he actually runs in as they're all taking a shower and says, I've got an eye full of the Mayamano Juggly Jug Specials, ha ha, and runs off after groping them looking at their boobs. But what else would we expect because Iki's living with four very, very beautiful girls and he's a young man with certain needs and things. I mean, later on he's kind of panty searching and he does some other very sick things, but hey, he's a growing boy. And they beat the shit out of him because of it. Very interesting family dynamic, but again, we're getting off topic. So, interesting family unit. Now, Iki is also known as Babyface because he is the leader of the East Side Gang. He is the leader that has brought them into greatness and has kept them undefeated and kicks ass with his various techniques including his backdrops and his rolling cradles and his extreme killer pile drivers and all this other thing. So he has a lot of wrestling training and common fighting training which you can expect with most thugs and hooligans who run gangs. Like most typical anime series, he's the leader and he's the strongest and the rest of his followers are retarded and stupid. And every year they fight the West Side Gang to show dominance over who's the best in the territory. And he kicks the shit out of the West Siders and beats them up. And since he brings victory, he is given spoils and girls love him and everyone adores him and so on and so forth. And it's all good, all spiffy, all great. That's what we hope. But what happens is one of the West Siders is a little bit pissed off at that and he proceeds to get assistance for his group in order to get retribution by going to this group of storm riders who are known as the skull satyrs now these are a bunch of storm riders now storm riders are the users of air tracks they're a gang which they pretty much set themselves up as just a bunch of hoodlums who use air tracks to just cause mischief and mayhem with everything that's going on in the world and essentially just be insane and just be typical hoodlums everything they're not the only storm riders around because all the groups are different and diverse as night and day. I mean, you have some who are hooligans, some who are almost police-like, some which are with young kids, some which are with adults. They vary with anything possible. And they all are different. They have all these customs and styles and things. Example, they have emblems and they have battles. And it's a pretty interesting culture that the series gets into heavily later on. And But the Skull Satyrs think that they are the king shit, they are the best of everything, and they are the ones who are to beat. So what happens is that they beat up all of Iki's gang members, the East Side gang, and they get one of them to trick Iki into coming with him and leading him into an ambush where they proceed to decimate him and beat the shit out of him. And at first he thinks, oh, I'm going to kick their ass with my judo and wrestling techniques. And with the advantage they have with the air tracks, they just wallop him completely, beat him with an inch of his life, and then proceed to rape a bunch of girls, and they proceed to stick a firecracker in his ass and blow it up. How he fucking survived, I do not know. It's kind of odd and unusual, but hey, it's a manga. Doesn't matter. So, after beating the shit out of Iki, the leader of the Skull Satyrs 
Magaki pretty much says, you know what, we're in charge now. Everyone has to do whatever the fuck we say. We rule. We just beat your champion. He's a piece of shit. So now the entire area is under Skull Seder rule and Iki is completely devastated. He's been beaten and hurt and essentially raped by they put a freaking firecracker up his ass. And he's just completely depressed over this and doesn't know what he's going to do. And when he goes the next day, he goes to school, they're ridiculing him and they don't know what to do because, well, as we guess, the Skull Seders control the east side now. Like He's having people put up their tag everywhere and all this. And besides extorting money from Iki, they're just controlling the neighborhood and Iki is very depressed and sad about it. And the worst thing, as I said, his classmates are ridiculing him and his former gang members are treating him like a pariah in the society. The result of this is that Iki's completely devastated and distraught over what has happened. He has no one following him, no one helping him out, and he wants to get revenge on the Skull Satyrs, but there's nothing he can do. And the result of this is that Ringo sees what's going on with Iki and she says, you know what, the Skull Satyrs have sullied the honor of Air Tracks and we're going to get it back. She says it to herself. And that night, the Preston said, Iki's sleeping, and he hears a knock at the window. He's like, what the fuck? He looks out his window, and what does he see? He sees the Noyamano sisters standing there in this really trippy clothes with air tracks on. And they say, come on, it's time for your debut. And then they reveal to Iki, they are known as the Sleeping Forest. A pretty well-known Storm Rider gang that is, well, pretty cool. And supposedly they are insanely badass, like they are bee's knees of Storm Riders. They are the strongest, the most mystical, and they've been around forever. Which is kind of weird, because it seems Storm Riders have only been around for like four years. And since they've been living with Iki, he hasn't even realized that they're Storm Riders, and they're really good. Shocked at learning that the four girls that he's been living with are Storm Riders, he proceeds to run after them, and Iki tries to catch him, tries to catch them, and they show him how cool it is to be well, an, an air track user. So the next morning he wakes up, house has been abandoned, he's like, what the fuck, where'd everyone go? And he sees a bag at his desk. He's like, what the hell is this bag that's by my desk? He looks inside, there's a pair of air tracks inside. Apparently, Ringo, Umi, Mikan, and Rika also bought him a pair for himself. The generic setting, but it's a set of air tracks for him himself. And after a very depressing day of being picked on and messed around with, so he puts on his air tracks and proceeds to ride forward mess around with it. It's a pretty cool scene when he first puts them on, he realizes the freedom that he gets when you can use the air tracks. And he gets ready to get his revenge on Magaki and beat the shit out of him. And to be honest with you, when he first starts out, when he first puts them on, I mean, yes, he can skate, but to be honest with you, pretty pathetic. So what happens is that he ends up fighting Magaki and the Skull Satyrs one more time later on, and what happens is that, facing off at the Skull Satyrs' evil fortress of solitude, an abandoned bowling alley, and after beating the shit out of all of them at his meager skills, he challenges Magaki to a fight. And Magaki's like, you know what, we can't do a fight. I'd rather put your emblem on the line. And he's like, what the fuck you mean? Here's how it works, we'll have a race. First person get both emblems, wins. Person who loses, their group disbands, and Iki's like, well, I don't got an emblem on me, I'm just a junior at high school, I mean, I, there's not much I can do. So, Ringo says, well, fine, we'll put ours up for him, and he's like, what? And he gives it to Iki and says, well, it's your debut, good luck. So, they have to race to get the emblems, and they put it up really high on a fucking wall. 
So Magaki's like, yeah, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna speed up, go really fast, I'm gonna shoot up the wall. And they say, go! So he's shooting up the wall, and Iki stands there, and he's thinking for a second, he says, I know how to win. Takes off one of his air tracks, and then Mikan's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, look, there's a motorized motor in here which goes really fast if it's got a lot of weight on it, right? Well, how fast do you think it's gonna go if there's no weight on it? So he pushes the air track against the wall, and it shoots up like a rocket. Knocks Magaki out of the way, knocks into the two emblems, which land conveniently into Iki's hands, making him the winner of the race. Very innovative and unique. It was a very cool way to win the match, and you didn't expect it. So, good guys have won, heroes have saved the day, Iki is fine, and kicked ass, and he proved that he is a man. Of course, no one believes a word of what he says. They think he can't skate for life with him, but he knows what he did. And once this is over, the four sisters say, look, you can't tell anybody we're the Sleeping Forest. No one has ever seen this before, blah, 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 blah. And he's now become involved in the world of air tracks. Now, what will happen with Iki? Will he become a leader of his own crew, or will he join the Sleeping Forest? Also, will he be able to upgrade his air tracks so they're more his style as opposed to being just the generic crap that you can get in any store? Become their own personal style that he could use? Well, you have to follow Iki's Odyssey in this very interesting and pretty cool world that they show us. The series is pretty unique on the fact that it is a series about inline skating, essentially. There's some very diverse characters. I mean, later on, you have this one character who's this big fat guy who's on his air tracks, which look like tank wheels, because they have four wheels that are two on one side, two on the other side, because he's so fat. You have another air tracks user who uses one air tracks on his forehead, like he rides upside down so he can peek up people's dresses. There's a lot of fan service and a lot of nudity, a lot of, well, sexual innuendos, which is pretty nice, especially for a great style. The only complaint is that, as it starts out, you have all the settings for a great series. Like, you wonder, oh, okay, is, is Iki gonna be joining Sleeping Forest and become their leader? Is he gonna create his own team? What's gonna go on? And as you're reading this, at first, it's just developing the characters so we understand who they are, developing the world, which is the more interesting part. But then suddenly it becomes just about the Storm Riders themselves and about the competitions. And a lot of the story, which was interesting, kind of gets thrown out the window. Like, the whole relationship between Ringo and Iki gets thrown away. Going from just a really good subplot that is really interesting to just this note that they kind of bring up later on, like, this is a footnote, like, oh, I think he liked Ringo, but it doesn't matter. He's got to focus on beating the White Wolf Clan or beating the, uh, whatever the hell the other generic character's name is. And it becomes just very war-based and just, I'm going to fight you to get your parts and so on and so forth. Art style is really good because he is a very developed and stylized artist and, well, a very interesting writer. Oh, great that he is. And he's a little perverted. And to be honest with you, I like it better than Tango Tenge. And Tango Tenge I thought was pretty cool, except for the horrible edit job I did in English. As well as just the very crappy, well, main character who looked like a crappy Vegeta with blonde hair, the rape sequence, and to top it off, just that really stupid fact that the girl likes the abusive guy more than the guy who should hook up with her. But, again, getting off topic. There's a lot of super deformed stuff in it, there's a lot of slashes, there's a lot of very well-developed backgrounds, and the boobies are done well. Really well. The air tracks look kinda gay. I mean, later on, the design looks better, but the generic model looks really stupid and just strange. What else can I say about the air tracks and about the whole world that they come from? But 
it's very ground in possible logic like okay we can describe the air tracks this is how they work and you're like okay that's how they work later on though you, they introduce these devices called regalia which makes it just insane and retarded it's like okay where the hell did these things come from and why are they there but the fact is that when you think about it this is a sports manga and what is a sports manga without fantastical abilities and ultimate awesome cool things that happen there's one other thing which i really didn't want to get into but it I can't not cover it with this series, especially with how interesting it is. It's very similar to Jet Set Radio, Jet Set Radio Future, and, dare I say, Hackers. It has this very protoculture-esque, underground, hip, anti-establishment community within this series, which it gives you that kind of rad, underground, urban feel to it, which I know I'm just at a bunch of gibberish, but I'm trying to convey how unique and different the series is. Like, all the characters are essentially outcasts who are not working with the law, who are skating and fighting battles with each other, and it's got a very cool feel to it. I can just imagine a techno soundtrack to this entire series. And it just has that hip feel to it, and part of me wants air tracks to be real so I could buy some and do crazy shit with it. Pretty cool series, and there's a lot of little gags, including the fact, which I didn't bring up earlier, but Iki in his... Well, hair is a crow. There's a crow that's living in his hair, using it as a nest, and he's kind of just a plot device to make comical situations. It's like the mascot of the series, which all sports and anime series need to have that generic mascot animal, and in this, it's a crow. I don't think later on the crow shows up, but might be. Overall, very cool series, very interesting, like I've been saying over and over again. And I will have to give this series a bar from a friend and don't return unless offered Pocky. It's a pretty good series. The first half of it is awesome, but then it goes downhill, then it comes back up like most series, but it's worth a read. And the fact that it's translated so well, worth checking out. And to quote Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. There's nothing else I really could say about Air Gear. I mean, I could go into the different gangs and storm rides, but I'd be depriving you of various other things. Either. Besides that, there's not much else for this episode, but I'm back. I'm back on the computer, and things are getting a little better, so without further ado, let's get to the part we've all been waiting for. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one, the only, the Wheel of Manga! Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? The Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with 10 slots on it, except no subsuit. Now, what I've done is I've assigned a title to each of the slots. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin the Wheel of Manga, whatever number lands on this, I'm reviewing for the next episode of the Spyrokin Manga Review. So, let's see what I'm reviewing for the next episode, episode 94. Number 10, which is going to be Katakyo Hitman Reborn, or as we know it over here, Reborn. Hmm, a Mafia series. Gonna be kinda different, but... Oh well. Well, we did a sports series this time, which I usually will never do. So, hey, it could be kinda fun. So, I guess that's it for this episode of the Spark and Mong Review. As usual, it's a pleasure to be recording and to have you guys listen to this show. Since I'm your host, Zahn, I guess that's it. So, I am Gonsville. See you next time. Just to